Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey, hey, friends, welcome back to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. I'm super excited that you have tuned in today because we are interviewing an amazing guest to talk all about scaling your business by becoming an OBM. You've probably heard that term before, and if you haven't, don't worry because our guest, Tina Forsyth, is going to talk all about that, but an OBM is an online business manager, and maybe it's something that you've thought about, but you're not quite sure if it's the right fit for you, what that looks like, and we even get into conversations about as your business is scaling to that CEO role, as you're stepping into that role from freelancer to CEO, what does that look like? What are some things that you might have to change and shift and let go of as you are stepping into the CEO role? So this is going to be a really great podcast episode if you've been thinking about stepping into the OBM role, if you've been toying around with that idea, you want to shift from just being a VA to now you really want to take on that more active manager role as an OBM. We're going to talk all about that. And I know you're just going to love Tina. I literally could have sat on this podcast interview and just listened to her the whole day because she is so full of knowledge. She's so sweet and kind, and she was very open and honest during our interview. So I'm so excited for you to hear more about Tina and her journey. So we will catch you inside of today's podcast episode. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Hey, Tina, welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, let's, um, before we get into our questions for today, which I'm really excited about, and I know my audience is going to love hearing from you, I would love for you to just to share a little bit about your background, how you got into the online space and share that journey with us. Yeah, it was actually through the coaching industry A number of years ago, I was doing some uh, freelance, you know, in the real world, freelance work at the time, and I discovered the coaching industry. And this is back in like 2000, so quite a long time ago now, Um, discovered the coaching industry. And from there, you know, very much ended up in this online world. I started working, uh, I was doing a training to become a coach at the time. I didn't know what I was doing at all to build my business, 
so I had no clients. So I was looking for some side work um, and had the opportunity to come up to work with a coach training and membership organization, which of course at the time was online, run online, uh, did all kinds of training and events and various things as a company. And I started working with them doing event management and you know, right hand to like the COO, the leader, the, the director of the company and various other things. And things just kind of went on from there. Like once I started working online in that capacity, it was like, there was no going back at that point for me, essentially. Yeah. I, f- I feel that way too. It was funny. I was just talking about this because when I first got started um, in the online space, being a virtual assistant, I wanted just to be at home with my kids and have a flexible schedule. And when I first started, I always kind of said to myself, maybe this was like the way to kind of keep myself safe. I was like, I'm just going to do this for like five years while my kids are young until they're in school. Like, I'll just do this for you know the next couple of years. And now like, and I'm sure you feel this way too. It's like, there's no going back for me. Like once you've, once you've tasted like a, this, this flexible schedule and the freedom that it brings, yeah. it's like, there's no going back to a job where I have to be somewhere from this time to this time. And I have someone telling me what to do. It's just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're unemployable, right? Unemployable <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I feel the same way though, Aubrey. I'm like, if somebody was like, Oh, you have to be here at this time and wear these things and be like, ew, no. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Right. To do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about falling into it a little bit too, I mean, so I, in, at the time when I was working with this coach training organization, I was always thinking in my, you know, I was thinking, I'm going to go back to my coaching business. But I found that I really loved working as a part of this company, right? And being one of the people behind the scenes and helping to make everything run and grow. And so unfortunately, the, the leader of that company, he passed away uh, back in 2003. So this again was a while ago, but he passed away while I was working with the company. And as some changes were going on, it was like, oh, what do I want to do next? And because I really loved working behind the scenes. And I really loved the coaching industry. Um, I started working with other six and seven figure coaches at the time as an online business manager. So that's what started my own freelance journey in so many ways was at that time. Uh, You know, I was just, I knew I wanted to work within this industry. I knew I wanted to work online and I knew what I was really good at doing. And so ended up, you know, hanging out my shingle, if you will, to work as an online business manager, uh, to work as an OBM and did that for a good, that was a good 10 years of my business. The first 10 years of my business really was me working as a freelancer, working one-on-one with my clients in various capacities over the years. But, you know, a good chunk of my, a good chunk of uh, my time and energy and my group, my girls were really little then too. Like I have my kids while I have my business. So they were born 2006, 2008. They're now teenagers. (laughs) One of them is listening to me probably in the next room here (laughs) as we're talking, Um, you know, but having that freedom to do this work from home and to work with these really great clients and not to say everything was sunshine and roses, right? Like some days can be a pain in the butt and all of that, especially when we're juggling family and client commitments and things like that. But, you know, really just fell in love with this whole world, if you will, and what's possible 
in when we do what we do. And I think especially too, Aubrey, like your, your people, your folks all being coming from this freelancer world, right? Whether it's VA or tech or whatever, all kinds of different things I know that people do. It's just, we're so needed out there. Like mm -hmm. nothing happens in business without those of us who get stuff done for other people in various ways. And so that part has always been, you know, when we're kind of wired to be like, get it done type folks, not to say we always have to be the ones to do every single thing, but like we're wired to think that way and be that way. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty special thing. So how did you transition from doing that online business manager role for 10 years into what you're doing now? What, what was that pivot and, and why did you decide to make that shift? Yeah, I mean, at the time when the earlier days when I was doing that, I mean, I just started calling myself an OBM for lack of anything else to call myself at the time, right? I mean, I knew that I was working at a higher level with my clients. I knew that, uh, you know, virtual assistance and such was certainly around then, but it just didn't fit for what I was doing and what I wanted to be doing with my clients. And so I started calling myself an online business manager. I was working with various clients and such for a number of years. And then I started to have things happen from a couple of different directions. I had more and more clients coming to me, you know, especially coaches and trainers and such that were online and they were wanting to hire somebody who did what I did, you know, who, who could work with them at that, at that level in their business. And there was only me, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a handful of other people too, but all of us were quite busy and full. Um, and likewise, I started to have more people come to me saying, hey, I want to do what you're doing, right? Like maybe they were working as a VA already, or they were coming uh, from a career or something in the offline world. And so back in 2008, I wrote my book, Becoming an Online Business Manager. And I honestly thought that would be it. It was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. Anybody who wants to be an OBM, go read it, right? Like, here you go. And then I'll just keep on doing my thing, right? Working with my clients, which I really love doing. Um, and very quickly after that, it became apparent that like people wanted more, right? People wanted more support. They wanted more in-depth training. And so we created our OBM certification and our International Association of Online Business Managers in 2009. Uh, and as of 2010, that became my full-time focus. So I worked as a freelancer. I worked as a, you know, one-on-one -on -one service provider with my clients up until the end of 2009. And then 2010, it was like, all right, I'm focusing solely on, you know, the training and the mentoring side of the business, which is pretty much what I've done since that time frame. So, yeah. I'd be interested to ask you this because this is something that I'm, I'm not at this place yet, but I, you know, do I'm still doing both pieces of that business. I always say when people ask me about like, you know, what do you do for your business? I'm like, well, it's twofold. I, you know, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients and I'm still doing freelancing service for them because I love it. Um, I'm not like actively looking for new clients, but I have long-term clients that I've enjoyed working with and it's easy for me. It's fun for me. Um, and then I also do the coaching piece and I, I always feel that tie to have those freelancing clients just because I feel like it almost keeps me fresh and like in the game, but I'd be interested just to hear your perspective on um, wh why you decided to stop working with clients and just pursue this. Not that I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just would be interested to get your perspective on it. 
Yeah, it really, I mean, you know, it, it might sound funny to say it this way, but it was, it felt like a bit of a calling at the time, right? Because I remember the summer of 2009, I was very much in a space of like, you know, kind of like frustration and what's going on and what do I want to be doing next? And, bleh, you know, just not feeling great about things. And, and it almost felt like, like looking back on it, I can almost see the tug of war to a degree of like, exactly like you said, Aubrey, like I loved working with my clients. I loved, you know, had great clients. We did great things together. Like I was not unhappy at all doing the work I was doing with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, but I was being pulled more and more towards the, the OBM training and certification. And ultimately what the decision became was about, which one of my bigger values is, is around supporting others to create this same you know opportunities for themselves to really empower others i mean mostly women a handful of men <laughs> in our obm world um you know but really to be able to empower others to know that they can actually create a business and build a livelihood around something that especially at that time nobody was thinking of from a business perspective like before I started working online, I worked as an accounts payable clerk for two years. I did like basically did data entry for two years, right? I worked as an executive assistant. I worked as a marketing coordinator. Like I was always very much in these support roles and myself, you know, nobody, myself included, would have looked at me at that time and been like, oh, you could build a business around that. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, hey, you could do something really cool with that, right? Like there's so much about business and this isn't as true nowadays. Thankfully, it's not as true nowadays as it was even still, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but especially at that time, it was like the only people that were starting businesses or building businesses online were all the front end people, right? Like the speakers and the authors and the trainers and the face of the company and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, well, hey, what about the rest of us? Like, we're not necessarily wanting to be the face of the company. We love being behind the scenes. We love, you know, we're driven to like get things done and move things forward and all of that kind of stuff. And so because I'd found a way to create my life, you know, to build a business and create my livelihood around doing those things that I was naturally very good at and that I enjoyed, you know, that became a big part of my decision back then was like, okay, I know I could continue to work as an OBM one-on-one -on -one with clients or, you know, do I go all in on this training and certification and all of that kind of stuff? And yeah, that's what I did, right? So, I mean, it was definitely a bit of an eek at the time to be like, what the heck am I doing? What's gonna happen? Yikes, you know, and there's been times over the years where, yeah, it can still be an eek. <laughs> I mean, even to this day, there's times where I'm like, oh, I would love to go back to just working one-on-one -on -one with my clients, right? Like in many ways, there's days that that's very appealing. Um, but part of what's been powerful about it too is, cause something that was, that was kind of, you know, a little bit funny at that time, a little bit entertaining was I was working with a business coach. It was the first time I hired a business coach when I was making this transition. And so we're working on the plans and what am I going to do? And, you know, laying out everything for 2010 and beyond. Um, and I remember him saying to me at one point, he's like, um, Tina, you need to hire your own 
OBM now. I was like, what? Like it had literally never crossed my mind. <laughs> I think like the control freak mm-hmm. type thing, the default mode of like, I was so used to being the doer and even not even just the doer, but like the manager and the having my fingers and everything. And I'm the hub of everything and all that kind of stuff. I was so used to that. I had done it for my clients for years. I've been doing it for my own business that up until that point, it didn't even cross my mind. But what was actually part of what was happening at that time was it, you know, it was like I was shifting from being the OBM to having the experience also of being on the other side, right? Like now I'm the person that's hiring OBMs and has hired, you know, many types of professionals, including OBMs since that time frame. And so it's been interesting too, even over the years to see the value of having had both sides of that experience, like having had the experience of being an OBM, being, you know, the one working with clients at this level, et cetera, but also having the experience of, all right, when I'm coming from the perspective of being this business owner who wants and needs to hire support in different areas, you know, I really intimately understand what that is as well too. Yeah. I love that. Now, if anybody's listening, I'm sure most of my audience has heard of an OBM, an online business manager, but for those that maybe don't know too much about it or maybe interested in it, could you give us like a brief overview of what an online business manager does and maybe like why it's different than a virtual assistant and like those differentiating characteristics? Yeah, the main, there's a couple of main distinctions between OBM and VA work. Um, You know, and again, to be clear, this is about the role more than the person, because there's, I know there's a lot of VAs out there that can essentially be operating at an OBM level with clients, you know, and or in some cases, there's OBMs who are, are, are functioning more in an in a VA in a VA role with clients. Um, but essentially, it's the distinction between like the doing and the managing piece, you know, I'm a firm believer that every business, regardless of whether they're just getting started, or they're way further down the road, they should be hiring VAs, they should be hiring doing level support, as soon as they possibly can. I mean, even right from day one. Uh, But part of what happens, especially, you know, and in particular with online based businesses is once they hit that early six figure range, so usually around maybe the 200 to 50 mark, and they're growing up through, you know, the multi six into seven figure range. um, That's where a business starts to need that more management level of support in place, right? Because there's just so many more things that are going on in that business. So they need someone to help with planning. They need someone to help with working with the team and process and systems and SOPs and progress and, you know, moving projects forward and getting stuff done. You know, I define the role of management, you know, not just OBM, but management of really being, making sure that, okay, the right things get done in the right way at the right time and by the right people. And so that management level of support, I mean, that's essentially what an OBM is doing, right? They're part of the distinction between say VA to OBM type of work is the scope of responsibility. You know, a lot of times as a VA, we're responsible to do our thing, right? Like we've got a specific role, we've got a specific thing we we do in the company, whereas an OBM is responsible for everybody's stuff right? Like, is everybody getting their work done? Do we have 
the right people in place to get the work done? Are we moving things forward in this way? And so there's, it's really ultimately this shift from the doing to the managing. You know, one of the bigger challenges when we have VAs come into our OBM community and they're looking to make that shift for themselves, that's the biggest shift for most of them to make. And, and it's a lot of a mindset shift, even more so than anything, is that shift from being the doer, being the one who's, you know, I'm in there, I'm rolling up my sleeves, I'm getting it done, I'm making it happen, through to, okay, wait a minute, I'm not the doer anymore, right? Like, you may be a little bit of doing here and there, definitely can be a part of it, but that shift to like, okay, my focus now is much more on the managing side of things and, and, and staying plugged in to the business at that level, that can be a bit of a shift for some mm-hmm. people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a lot of, I, a lot of what my listeners are at is they're at that role where they have the business, the business is going okay for them, but they're ready to really scale it to that next level. Maybe they're ready to replace their income, leave their job. Um, and this is a really great way for them to do it because as a VA, um, it's usually at a lower hourly rate and as an OBM, yeah. especially if you get the certification that can increase that rate. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that, what that looks like from a shift from going from the VA to the OBM? Yes. You know, I, I remember a friend of mine years ago, um, you know, she was working as a virtual assistant and I had asked her, I'm like, well, how many clients do you have? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know. She's like, I'm scared to count. I have too many, (laughs) right? Like it was like, cause she had a whole bunch of clients, you know, who all had varying needs and a bunch of different things. And I know that that can be part of the challenge when we're working at the VA level is, you know, having a whole bunch of clients who all need a little bit. When you're working at the OBM level, especially because a business has to be at a certain level to need the services of an OBM, they're generally needing like 30 to 40 hours at least from you in a month. Right. And certified OBMs charge at the 65 an hour rate and up, you know, in some cases, depending on experience and such. So, you know, if you're if you're working, say, 20 ish hours a week with, say, two clients, you know, you can be making a really great living when you're working at this level. So a lot of times when people are coming into our community, it's because they like the idea of, you know, there's definitely appeal in, hey, what if I get to work with a couple of clients? instead of trying to juggle too many, mm-hmm. you know, there's appeal in that there's appeal in being able to really partner with clients at another level. So the OBM, you know, I always like to say to it's, it's in some ways, it's a pet peeve of mine that this is true, but it also can be true is when a client hires us under the, the umbrella or the term assistant, they might look at us a certain way. Right. Whereas when they hire us in the role of, say, an OBM or, you know, a higher level role, they look at us differently and they look to work with us together differently. You know, I've had we've had people in our community say, like, you know, ah, working as a VA, I was essentially doing this work for my clients, but they weren't valuing it. Right. Like they weren't valuing it at this level yet. They might not have been paying yet. For it at that level or whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, when you know you want to work at that more purposeful, I want to really plug in, I want to drive projects, I want to lead things, I want to be a part of, 
growing this business. I want to be a part of everything that's going on in that bigger picture way. That can be part of where the OBM role becomes really appealing as well too. You know, I know for me, that was my favorite part of working as an OBM is it felt like a true partnership with clients. I mean, it really was a true partnership with clients, not legally on paper in that sense, but you know, the, I know, I know the clients I worked with, especially my favorite clients that I worked with, it was very much putting our heads together, figuring things out. And then great, they would go off and do what they do best. And I would go do what I did best. And I would work together with the team to move things forward. And so there's definitely, you know, there's also the option for incentive when you're working at the OBM level with clients where you can get paid based on some of the ongoing growth and expansion of the company and such as well. I mean, there, there's some, there's some pretty cool options to be able to work with clients at that level. And I know you had mentioned too, that one of the mindset shifts that you need to have is going from being just the doer to the manager. Are there any other shifts that we need to be aware of, or maybe, you know, kind of start to think about if we want to shift to this role? There's, there's an ownership shift to really be aware of too. Um, I know sometimes I, cause you know, I think you and I were joking a little bit, I think before we started recording today about being a control freak, right. <laughs> and like, I don't, I mean, I'm raising my hand. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely <laughs> control freak. <laughs> you know, I've, I call myself a bit of a recovering control freak at this point, but I definitely still have my moments. Um, part of what's challenging as well when we're shifting into work at this level is, you know, I know, when I was working directly with clients for years and it was just me doing my thing, I knew that stuff would get done and I could trust that stuff would get done because I was the one doing it, right? It was like, okay, that was pretty straightforward. Like I didn't have to worry about things. I didn't have to like, is this person gonna do that or not or whatever that might be? Um, because I knew because I w- everything was coming to me and through me still in so many ways. And so when you're working at an OBM level, especially with a growing company, it truly is a space where it's not just you doing your thing anymore, right? Like you're partnering with your clients, you're working with the team, you're bringing other people in. And that idea of the ownership of, we now have to take ownership for everything that's going on, right? Not just our own stuff within that if that makes sense. And so I mention it because it's just something to be aware of and be ready for. Like I'll sometimes see people, you know, come into the OBM world and struggle with that part of it, right? Because it's like, do I want to own all of this, you know, or what does it mean to own all of this? Um, you know, there definitely is that ownership factor. And, and even the other piece to, to be aware of, when, especially when we're talking about this shift from doing to managing, sometimes part of what's actually happening there, like doing can be a, a comfort zone or a safety zone for sure, right? I know even, you know, to this very day, doing is still very much a, a comfort zone. For me, it's like, you know, if, if, if a day is blowing up and everything's going wrong, I still know I could like do a certain thing. I've got that in me. I can, I know I can make that happen. Uh, but the shift from doing to managing alongside being a comfort zone, there's also a piece of it where for a lot of people, it ends up feeling too easy. Like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to do that. Like it, for those of us who are wired 
One of the one of the things we talk about, one of the signs of being an OBM that we talk about is, let's say somebody's sharing with you their big ideas, like, oh my gosh, I really want to do this thing. And then our minds instantly start going to all the pieces, right? Like, okay, we're going to need this. We're going to need this. We're going to need that. We'll need this. We'll need to figure out that. We'll need to bring someone in here. Like, we almost can't turn it off. You know, I can be like watching the news and that'll start happening, right? <laughs> Somebody's talking about something there. Um, or if we if we see a big mess, like, you know, you see what somebody's doing behind the scenes and it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to get in there and clean it up. Or this could be done so much easier. Like, it's almost like, just get out of the way. Let me fix this. When, we, when we're naturally wired around certain things like that, they actually feel very easy to us. And sometimes part of what happens with this shift is, and we talk about this a lot in our OBM association in our certified OBM community, right? Cause that's part of the shift that's going on for so many of them, especially when they're newer is like, wait a minute, this feels really easy. Like, am I doing enough? Is it supposed to feel this easy? Mm -hmm. You know, I think for many of us, we're used to working hard. I know you help, you help folks with this too, Aubrey, this idea of like working so hard and being so caught up in everything and making a shift into like another level of running your business and thinking as a CEO and stuff like that. A similar thing happens in OBM type work when we're shifting from doing to managing is like, okay, this is actually really easy. Like it's kind of fun, kind of enjoying this. Am I doing enough? Right. Am I doing it right? Am I doing enough? Um, you know, that is one of the things to be aware of, because sometimes we'll sabotage ourselves at that stage if we're not careful. You know, like I'll see OBMs hit that point of this is too easy. And, it, and then there's a part of them that's like, it shouldn't be this easy. And then all of a sudden they're like defaulting or kind of backsliding into certain things um, just out of like habit or comfort or whatever that might be. Yeah. I love that too. And I, this, I thought this, I was going to add the other question I was going to ask you is like, what type of people, like, how do you know if maybe this would be a good place for you to scale? So I'm glad that you answered that. So I have, I have those listeners there that are like, I'm doing the VA stuff and I'm thinking about scaling and maybe this OBM role is the right move for me. And then I also have other listeners who really, they've been doing that scaling mode. And now they're at the place where they really are stepping into that CEO role but like you said, it, it's a, almost a different perspective coming at it from the behind the scenes person, you know, someone who's not always at the, yeah. you know, the forward end of the business. So I would love to, to chat about that and maybe, um, you know, what roles do we need to take on? What roles do we need to let go of? I know that that was something that I struggle with too. And it's funny that you brought that up because I totally resonated with it as someone who has been in the virtual assistant freelancing world. And as my business grew, thinking about hiring and outsourcing and, and really where does my focus need to be? It doesn't need to be in all the things, even though I can do all the things. And I sometimes would almost pride myself on that, that like, I can do it all. I can be all the things. Um, so I would just love to kind of chat about that. Like as this business is growing bigger than maybe what we initially thought it would, how do we kind of handle that? Yeah, there's, I was thinking that before we, before we hopped on together today, this idea that like in, when we're looking at our own business and making that shift from freelancer to CEO, it really is the same skill set 
that an OBM is bringing to their clients, right? It's, we talk a lot about this in the OBM world where there's so much about, like even through our certification training and everything, it's like, hey, everything we're talking about here as it applies to your clients can apply to your business as well. Like it's almost this like double whammy kind of benefit that happens. Um, but you know, when we're looking at things through the lens of even stuff like planning, the act of being able to plan and look ahead and make purposeful decisions and stick to those decisions and really say, this is where I want to go next. I mean, the, the, I would say the first 10 years of my business, I was just flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> right. And, and it wasn't a bad thing. Like it actually served me pretty well. It was like, oh, you know, oh yeah, this looks good. I'll do this now. Or, oh, hey, that looks good. Like it can actually be a good thing when it's just us doing our thing, right? You can fly by the seat of your pants all that you want if it's just you. But when I hit that point where I shifted my business model and I refocused and, you know, that was also the point where the business became bigger than me because now I had team and now I had other things going on. It was like, I had to learn how to plan. You know, I had to learn how to plan more purposefully, even, um, you know, on behalf of my own business, which, of course, we're also doing as an OBM on behalf mm -hmm. of our clients' businesses. So being able to do that, I mean, anyone who's going the agency path and, you know, whether you're starting with, you know, one or two or a handful of subcontractors or wanting to grow into something uh, beyond that, maybe even full-time employees and dedicated folks along the way, you know, you definitely have have to know how to have this management stuff in place, right? We need our processes, we need our SOPs, we need to know how to hire, we need to know how to manage the team and lead the team and you know, move things forward and get things done. And we need to know how to do it without us being the one still stuck in the middle of all of it. I mean, I know that's a common frustration that'll come up in the agency model where it's like, all right, woohoo, I'm, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to hire some people and then I'll have all this freedom. And then it's like, you know, oh, I hired some people and now I have less freedom because <laughs> now I'm like worrying about them or mm -hmm. trying to work with them or trying to support them or train them or whatever it is. And still feeling like I have to keep all these things on my plate or do all these things on my own. Right. Um, so yeah, a lot of the, the way that we deal with those challenges in our own personal journey is very much the same skill set and the same type of things that we're doing with clients as an online business manager as well. Yeah, that's something that I, it's like I said, it's, it's so interesting for me because I'm kind of seeing it firsthand and like dealing with that. And I know like we had joked about the control freak thing and it's like knowing that too, like, even if it's even from the freelancing perspective, like if you want your business to grow, like you can't, you can't do all things at some point you're going to reach capacity and it's recognizing what you can let go of. So I would love to kind of touch on that too, because that was something that I was like, but I don't even know what I would let go. Like I knew there was things I could let go, but this was just my mind being like, but I, I don't want to let go of that yet because I enjoy it or I like it done this certain way. So how do yep. we, how do we start to figure out what are those things we can let go of as this business is scaling and growing? I like, there's a couple of pieces to that. Um, one of them being first and foremost, what kind of business do we really want to build? Uh, I mean, I did have an agency at one point, a number of years ago, this was, we had a, together with a business partner, we had a virtual assistant agency. Uh, this is like 2005-ish timeframe, so quite a long time ago. 
Um, and we ran it for a couple of years and we just, I mean, granted, we were making a lot of mistakes. You know, I've learned a lot more since then about how to run an agency in a much better way. Uh, but, you know, because of like her and I just, we ended up shutting it down because like we just didn't like it. You know, I didn't like spending my days just talking to these clients. And then, you know, I wasn't the one in the business. I wasn't the one rolling up my sleeves. I wasn't the one getting involved. Like there is something about being really purposeful with what do, what kind of business do we actually want for ourselves? Because when we have a clear vision of where we're headed, then we always get to make decisions based on that vision. So if I'm, I know some people, I mean, I can even use our OBM community as an example, talking about the agency stuff. In our OBM community, I want to say it's maybe 50-50, right? I'm, and those may not be exact numbers, but I want to say it's about 50-50 of OBMs who want to have their own team to build an agency alongside their OBM work that they're doing and OBMs who don't. They just want to work solo with their clients and work with their clients team and build their clients team and so on, right? So it's about 50-50, in that sense. And so it's important to know, like to know ourselves, to really know what we love to do, to know what we don't want to do, and to know what it is that we want to build. Because if I for if I have a vision in my mind of, okay, I really want, like, let's say somebody has a vision of, I want to charge premium rates, and I want to specialize in a certain area, right? It's like, you know, because not everybody has to have an agency. I want to be clear about that too. That's like, it's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing, but it's also a fair amount of work too. Like that's a long haul type of, of success path um, for folks. Um, you know, but we can, we could hit that point in the business of, I call it the bursting point, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm full with clients. You know, it's great. I'm maybe too full. I'm working too many hours, but I want to keep growing, but I can't because there's just no more of me to go around, right? Like when we hit the bursting point, we do need to make a decision of some kind. And sometimes the decision is I'm gonna pull back and just keep it simple. That can be fine too, if it's a conscious decision to do that. But if we wanna work through the bursting point, that means we have to do something different. So we can either you know, decide to specialize and charge more and still doing, you know, still do certain things on our own. Like being an OBM is a form of specializing, but mm -hmm. there's lots of ways to specialize. Like I could specialize in Facebook ads. I couldn't stand that because I don't like <laughs> Facebook ads, but I could specialize, you know, content. I could specialize. There's so many things. Tech, oh my gosh, those specializing in tech these days, I think is a great thing. Um, you know, there's so many ways to specialize where it's like, okay, I'm gonna specialize in this thing. I'm gonna charge more for doing this thing then that means I got to start letting go of this other stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it'll mean at a certain point, hey, I'm probably going to have to let go of certain types of clients that don't fit that vision for where I'm headed and what I know I really want to be doing. And so when we know where we're headed, that helps us make the decisions that matter in the moment. Because if, if we're only focused on in the moment, we're generally not going to make the right decisions to get us to the next level. Like if I'm wanting to, if I do want to start uh, building out a team and, and having people, you know, take things off my plate and, and gets, you know, take care, take some of the work or do some of the work for the business. Um, in the moment, it's always going to feel easier for me to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I'm looking in the moment of like, 
okay, I could sit out, you know, I could sit down, I could record this training loom and I could, you know, lay it out and I could give it to somebody, create the SOP so somebody else could go do it for me. Or I could just do it myself and get it done because it'll take me like three minutes, mm -hmm. right? It's like in the moment where all, you know, most of us are going to choose that default of like, it's just so much easier if I do it myself, right? Whereas if we're looking more to the vision of, okay, wait a minute, where do I want to get in my company? What's the vision of where I'm headed? Okay, <laughs> let, me make the, let me make the decision towards the vision of I need to get this, you know, I need to pull this out of my brain, turn it into a process, you know, make, create an SOP for this so that someone else can actually go do it for me. And it almost feels like in the, you know, bit by bit, day by day, we may not feel big progress in the moment all the time, but over time, like 30 days from now, 60 days from now, 90 days from now, like if we're committed to taking action, even those little actions every day based on what our vision is and where we're headed, then we can absolutely, it's, it's going to happen surprisingly quick to mm -hmm. make some of these changes. Like I'm yeah. curious for you, Aubrey, how do you find that, that journey for yourself kind of from that control freak perspective to be able to well, let go of certain things? It's always interesting too, because, you know, and I, I found this, maybe it's just the teacher in me too, but it's like, I do like I, in, in my community, I teach my students, like, as you are scaling this business, like you might not be thinking about hiring out yet, or you might not be thinking about bringing on anyone yet, but it's in, like you said, in the moment, it's easier to do it yourself. So I start to prep them and prepare them. Like if you have a process down of how you work with your clients, like create that SOP, create that process, because Sometimes we don't think we need to hire until we get to the point where we're like, oh my gosh, I need to bring someone on right now or I'm going to like lose it. And in that moment, like it's, you're, <laughs> you're going to have to like go like to create the SOP like that, that is a lot of work. So if you can create it ahead of time and you have mm -hmm. that ready to go, or even just like, if something happened, like if there was an emergency, like, could someone else come in and fill in your shoes for you? Do you have this system in place? But like, for me, it's always funny being on the other side of it. Cause it's like, I know that the advice that I'm giving is the right advice, but sometimes it's like almost like to take your own advice, like hearing it from you in that perspective, like <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like hearing it from someone else. And I'm like, man, it's really clicking. Like it really, it feels, you know, but it's just letting that go. Um, but that, that has helped me, I think is, you know, in creating those processes and knowing that if I have, am having someone come in and doing it, like they're seeing the way that it has been done and so that they can execute it without me being there. And once, like, once I did make that first hire, everything changed. And that, then from there, I was like, what else can I, what else can I let yeah. go of? You know? Yeah. I, I find that piece like, and there's a, a mentor of mine years ago had, and this has always stuck with me as she would talk about this concept of every level of success requires letting go of something else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the first stage of what we're letting go of is usually very much the doing piece. And especially the, the stuff we already know how to do, like my very first hire before, you know, I hired an OBM or before I started all the training and such was, uh, was a VA who did some customer service and she sent out my newsletter for me. And it was like, okay, here's the instructions. Here's the template. Here's the whatever, right? Like, you know, just laying everything out for exactly how to get this thing done. And so when we get, we, we can definitely start to get some of that doing off our plate 
And that gets pretty, like, it's pretty exciting to be like, I didn't do this thing and it still got done mm-hmm. and it got done right. And yay. Like mm-hmm. that's a fun, that's a bit of a milestone moment in our businesses. I think, you know, especially those of us who are the doers at heart and have started as doers and are continuing to build and grow through that, um, that experience of like, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe I don't have to keep doing it all. <laughs> what does that open up? But then there's other layers of like, letting go of decision-making, letting go of managing, letting, like there's all, every level of growth is still challenging in some ways. I think from that kind of control freaky type perspective. Um, And so it's really fascinating to see. I know for me, something I'll remind myself of from time to time, especially when I'm having a moment of like, no one else can do this as well as I can in my business. So therefore I must keep it on my own plate, right? Mm -hmm. Like any time I'm having one of those moments, which is usually a sign that there's something to let go of when that's coming up for me. Um, You know, I'll remind myself and be like, how many businesses are out there with how many amazing people that are doing amazing things? Like I'm not the only one in the world who can do great work, right? Or I'm not the only one in the world who can do things well and do things right. And it's not to say when I'm working with clients, especially around team and hiring and leadership, you know, by all means, we get to be picky, right? Like if we have a certain way we want to do things and we have certain standards and criteria and templates and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. um, Yes, we get to be picky, like because of the world of systems and SOPs and training and all kinds of things, we can train other people to meet those standards and do things the way we want to do them. Um, And it's also recognizing that, you know, this just came to mind. I don't know if it's (laughs) the nicest way to say it, but it's like, we're not always as smart as we think, or we're not all, we're not the only ones that Mm -hmm. are that smart. That might be another way to say it too, you know, cause it, it is a big part of that shift from freelancer to CEO is, is so much about, Like I find the heaviest thing about being a freelancer at times, it's not just that we actually are doing all the work or that we have a lot on our plates and we can get full and we can get, you know, overwhelmed and all kinds of things. It's feeling like it has to stay that way. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I have no choice. I have to do it all. I have to be the one for this. There's nobody else or whatever. It's like, there's, that's the kind of stuff for me over the years where I've, I've had to learn how to think through and work through some of that stuff. Um, Cause that's the part that gets ultimately heavy. I think mm-hmm. too, is that, oh, there's no end to this or I have no choice. No, we always have choice. Ultimately, we can always make these changes. doesn't mean it's always comfortable and fun, but we can make right. those changes. Yeah, so true. And that's, that's one thing that I'm very passionate about too, is just like letting people know, like the way that you have, like a lot of people who come in to my community, they're like doing all the things like they're, you know, even just simple things like they're manually sending all their invoices and they're still emailing back and forth with people on times that will work for, you know, and it's like, there is a a better way of doing it, you know, and it's just kind of opening their eyes. And some, sometimes even for me too, like, it seems so simple that it's like, like you said too, it's like, it seems so simple that it's like, I feel sometimes I feel like, why am I teaching this? But at the same time, it's like some people, just like you said, think that this is the only way that they can do it. And it's just opening their eyes that there are other ways to do it and yeah, better, simpler ways that 
you know, build, it builds a business that they can actually feel very proud of as, a, as opposed to feeling very bogged down by it. Well, and to allow ourselves to let things become easier over time. Um, Cause I'm, you know, I'm not a believer that I am a believer that things are tough and challenging and we got to work and whatever. Right. I mean, there's definitely stages of business growth, especially in the early days where, yeah, there's some work to be done, you know, like, there's days I wish that wasn't true, but it is. It's like, there's some work to be done. We got to roll up our sleeves. We got to work through challenges, et cetera. Um, but you know, when I look back over the journey, the life cycle of my business, things always become easier. There's challenges along the way, but for sure, it's not like I'm, you know, skipping through a field of daisies every day or anything like that. But the day-to-day -day of it is definitely easier now than it was you know, even a few years ago than it was five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it is, it does become easier over time. And I, and I think especially for women, you know, even, you know, I can't speak for men, of course, I'm not coming from that mindset, but I know for myself and many clients and colleagues too, there is something about just allowing ourselves to let things be easier, allowing ourselves to be supported too, and not feeling like we have to carry the weight of everything on our own shoulders, or we have to be the superhero to swoop in and save the day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of my listeners are going to resonate with that because a lot of them are moms. And naturally, just because I talk a lot about my former, my past life of being a teacher, a lot of them are teachers. And I know like, those are two things, like feeling like we have to do it all and be it all. And you know, have our hands and everything like that. Something that I think moms, especially experience teachers experience. So I'm so glad that you um, brought that up. Well, Tina, this has been such yeah. a great interview. I really appreciate everything that you've shared. And I know that this is going to really be super helpful to my listeners. If you would um, be so kind as to share where they can come learn more about you, your community, your trainings that you offer, I would love for you to share that with us. Yeah. Um, on the OBM side of things, if you go to online business manager, Dot com or certified OBM. Those are both the association and then the training um, and especially online business manager.com. There's, you know, various ways to learn more about this whole big wide world of being an OBM. Um, I also have my book becoming an online business manager, which is available on Amazon. Uh, I mean, if anybody's in that space of, I've always said my book is very much like a yes or no book, right? Like if somebody's like, I don't know, do I want to do this? read the book and you're generally, you know, you're usually going to come out of it either saying, yeah, or ew, no, <laughs> you know, and like either way, the book has done its job, right? <laughs> because I wouldn't want anybody going this path if it's not for them um, by any means. And personally, you know, tinaforsyth.com is my personal site uh, for just various other things that I have going on in my world. And I can be found through Tina Forsyth and various places online as well too. So happy to connect with anybody. Perfect. And we will link all that up in the show notes too. And I, like I said, I really appreciate you just being so open and honest and sharing everything with us. It was such a great interview and I know my listeners are going to love it. Awesome. Thank you. You're Thanks. welcome. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.